We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Rally, a look at the mission and vision of New Life Community Church and how it plays out over the city of Chicago. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. In 1950, there was a study that was done by a scientist to try to be able to see if there was a a noticeable effect in how people react. And what he did was he he took this room and he put eight people in it and he had them answer this question. You can go put that that little graph there. He had them answer this question. Which line on the right in that right box matches the one on the left? Like which one is the same height, right? And so he had eight people in there and he went down the line and had them answer. Sounds like you guys already know about this. Huh? <laughs> Study in school. Uh, and see, I don't make this stuff up. So got a witness. Uh, and they, he went down the line and he had them in a row and he had them answer out loud what line they thought matched. So the first guy, he's like, what do you think? And he's like, well, I think it's uh, definitely line A. And the guy's like, okay, great. Goes the next guy, what do you think? Uh, definitely A. A, 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 A. And he gets to the eighth person and he's sitting there and he's thinking, it's definitely C. (laughs) But everyone else says it's A. And you can see like a noticeable pause as the person waits before the person says, I think it's A. (laughs) And what this test was, why this, what was happening with this test was the first seven people were actually in on it and they were told to tell the wrong answer for the purpose of seeing how easy it would be for people to conform to the group, right? And so it was kind of a famous experiment because it showed that 75% of people conformed in the first time. 75% of people conformed. So then through the years since then, they've done tons of these, tons of them, tons of them different, like different ways, different type ways to see how people conform. Some of them are, were very unethical and caused people to like huge lawsuits and different things because they would have put people in situations where it's like, would you save someone's life or conform to the group, right? And like all these different things happen. But I watched one, which was kind of painful to watch, a YouTube video you can watch where they had a room full of about 30 people and they would ask someone of a simple question, such as, what color is a stop sign? And then they would give options. And when they said the options, everybody would raise their hands, right? So they'd say green and everybody would raise their hand except one guy, right, or girl. And you, you see the person like, what? <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? Stop sign's obviously red. And so when red would come up, that person would raise their hand. And they go to the next question. 30 minus 20 is? They'd be like, 15. Everybody would raise their hands. And they zoom in and then you can watch the person's face. It's literally, it's like they're going through a mental breakdown, okay? Because they're, it's like they're being crushed as they're like, are you kidding right now? Like, and, and, and they found that as they did this, the majority of people actually caved in and started following the group after the fourth question. The fourth question, you can watch them. As a bit, at first they're kind of like, uh, definitely red. And then by the fourth question, they're like, putting their hand up with the group, like visibly broken, right? And what this study shows us is not only how much we value conformity, 
but it also shows how strongly you can be influenced. How strongly you can be influenced. Well, I just want to welcome you again to New Life Community Church. We are a church that is spread throughout the city in 27 different neighborhoods. We say that we're, we're in the city for the good of the city. And we believe that we want to be a church that is not only following Jesus, but living it out. And that's why we gather together here. My name is Galen, one of the pastors here. And if you're joining us for the first time, we're going through a series called Rally. There's a series where we're, we're regrouping after this crazy last year and a half that has messed us all up. And it's helping us remember why we're here and where we're going. So the first half of this series, we, we looked at our purpose to be a family of love that cooperates with God and making fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ. You can say that ten times fast, right? And then, we, for the last part, we've been looking at the book of 2 Timothy, which is all about how a church can go through suffering and difficulty, but be faithful to God. And that's why we've been going through this series, because we really feel like we need to remember what it is to be the church. And we've looked at things like, what do we do when, we, when, we're, when we're impacted by suffering? How do we keep going when things are difficult and hard? And this week, I want to talk with you about something that's so important for us the church, something that we don't even recognize or realize its effect on us. I want to talk with you about influence influence. You see, just like all those people who conformed so easily in this weird science experiment that you think you would not be that person, statistically you would, right? You, in the same way, are so much easier to influence than you think. Uh, go ahead and turn with me if you have a Bible, nice printed Bible, you can get your own version for free here. We give out free Bibles, very nice. Go ahead and raise your hand if you would like one, if you have your own. You can look it up on your phone. The YouVersion app. It's an awesome app. Give you the Bible on your phone. Go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And as you're looking, as you're turning there, I want to recap last week. The reason I want to recap last week is because this is like the part two to last week. Okay? Last week was part one, and if you missed it, it's okay because I'm gonna give you the recap. Or if you forgot everything I said, it's okay because I'm gonna give you the recap, right? So just in case, does anyone remember what we talked about? Nope. <laughs> or, or on top of that, you're like, I don't want to be the one that's speaking because everyone else is not speaking, right? Come forward. We talked about don't be deceived, right? We had these warnings that the, the section was Paul gave all these warnings to us as Christians about not being deceived. He talked about, he, he, these are the three warnings. He said, avoid getting caught up in conversations, arguments that will eventually kill you. He compared it to a disease that will rot the church away, right? Don't get caught up in stupid and useless. He calls it godless chatter, right? The second warning, don't lose sight of what matters above everything else. Sharing who Jesus is, right? Don't get caught up in other things and lose sight of what matters the most. And the third warning was guard your heart. Don't let your life be something on the outside, maybe even on Sunday, that it's not the other six days of the week. Right? Don't get caught up into living a double life. And the original reason these warnings are written here is because the early church was going through an intense period of suffering where people were dying because they were calling themselves Christians. They were dying for it, or at the very least were being put in prison, which is where this letter was written from. The Apostle Paul was put in prison for his faith, and he's writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And because of that, 
church, everybody's questioning, do I want to continue to follow Jesus? Is it really worth it? Right? If you're, gonna, if you're dying for your faith, you're going to be asking those questions, okay? <laughs> We're not going to judge them, right? The, the, it's, it's, it, it's, well, the church was, was struggling about whether or not they really believed this. And Paul is saying, don't be deceived, right? Don't be deceived. Because he knew that as people were turning away, as people were watering down the gospel so that they could conform to all the people around them, he knew that people were being dragged away through all of this. And he's saying, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And I just want to say, as I said last week, the same thing is happening today. Throughout the world, people are being killed for their faith. In the U.S., it's a little bit easier to just name the name of Jesus and, you know, hopefully it gives us some benefits or something, right? It's not as hard right now. But I think that it's so important that the church... The church is that we still are aware that we can so easily be deceived because there's still people that are telling us, even now, that the gospel isn't the most important thing. There's Christian leaders who are putting up podcasts, sermons, all this stuff. There are Christians in your life that are saying it's okay to live a double life, right? There is Christian people that are deceiving the church and saying, you can't believe everything in this book. Right? And Paul would tell you and I this morning, don't be deceived. Don't allow these lies to take hold of your heart. Watch out for false Christians. And that brings, that's part one. That was part one. There's your recap, okay? Well, that leads us up to our verse on part two. Chapter three, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. So Paul got done, just got done talking about all these people, right? That were deceiving the church, that were, were, were he's warning them not to fall into these traps. But then he, Paul wants to show Timothy and us what the real thing looks like. He says, you... Timothy. That's what he said, right? You, however, you know all about me. I'm the Apostle Paul. Check me out. I've got a godly purpose. My faith, love, patience, and endurance is on lock. And you know I've suffered for Jesus and been persecuted. He says, you even know these situations personally, how God rescued me from all of these things. And especially, you know my teaching, that it's in line with God's words. That's what he says. You know, I'm summarizing, but that's what we just read, right? That's what Paul says. You know these things about me. And this is what Paul is doing. He's making sure that Timothy remembers what following Christ should actually look like. You see, it's easy to be deceived when you've got nothing to compare it to, when you can't see the real thing, right? When all you know is a lie, it's easy to be deceived. It's a lot harder to be deceived when it's right next to the truth, Right? And that's what Paul is saying. Paul isn't telling something to Timothy that he didn't already know. I mean, this isn't something where Paul is trying to tip, trick Timothy into believing something else. Timothy knew Paul. It says that Timothy traveled with Paul on missionary journeys. Timothy lived with Paul. Timothy saw Paul in the worst moments and the best moments of his life. That is what Paul is saying. Remember, you, however, you know me. You know me. You saw me in the worst things. He's, you see, Timothy, you know those cities that, that, that he said right there, those, those Lystra and Antioch, all those, those three cities. You look at it, what's that verse? 
Uh, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Lystra is actually where Timothy grew up. Okay? So Timothy grew up in that city, and Paul says, the persecutions I endured there. Now, if you're not familiar, he's talking about Acts 14, where when he was in Lystra preaching the gospel, a mob of people dragged him out of the city, took huge stones, and threw them at his head until they thought he was dead. Okay? Does that sound like some persecution that he endured? You think you endure some persecution? I mean, this is some serious persecution. And scholars believe that Timothy actually probably saw that because Timothy was living in that city. And so when Paul is saying, remember, he knows that Timothy actually watched this. And not only did he watch this, Timothy watched Paul, if you read Acts 14, after they left him for dead, he got back up. Okay, they just like crushed his head with rocks and he gets back up. And unlike the rest of us who would be like, peace out, Lystra, I'm gone. Paul goes back in the city and continues preaching the gospel to the very people that just tried to kill him. Right? So when Paul says, you, Timothy, you know me, right? Timothy had seen some crazy stuff, right? He's like, yeah, Paul, you're the real deal, bro. Right? And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy in this moment. You know, he's saying, he's saying, yeah. I have experienced real suffering and you know it, right? Who, who thinks Paul experienced some suffering? I mean, that's just one story, okay? That's just one, right? And Timothy was there. He watched Paul get left for dead and then go back into Lystra and continue to preach the gospel. I told you that dude's crazy, right? Timothy saw all of this and that's why Paul is bringing up. He's not bringing up to manipulate Timothy, right? Or else to, like, to, to try to force him in a, the wrong direction or deceive him. He's trying to compare and show him, hey, you know the truth. You've seen my life lived out in a way where no one else would want to live it out, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, you've seen the real thing, and you know how to tell the difference. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it's like in, 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 our, in, our, in our world right now, there are a thousand people trying to tell you that they're the real deal. There are a thousand people trying to tell you the real deal. There are a thousand people posting a video that you got to watch. They'll, they'll, they'll say, no, look no further for finding for the truth, right? But there are so many that are just deceiving you or who are deceived themselves. See, the crazy thing about all those science experiments that I talked about, the craziest thing to me is that that's shown what social influence has in a minute little spot where they didn't even know anybody, Right? They didn't even know these people. They would never see them again and steal the social influence of conforming. Imagine the people you have in your life that have been in your life for months, years. What kind of influence do you think they have on your life? You think that, that, that you're, you're shaped by them? <laughs> you think you're like, oh, I'm the leader, right? <laughs> nah. uh, maybe, but you know, statistically, probably not. You know, the amount of influence that they have on your life is more than you can imagine. More than you can imagine. You're probably sitting here thinking, not me. I am not influenced. I'm an influencer. Yes. The word of our generation, right? You ask kids in school these days, what do you want me when you grow up? I'm an influencer. Oh, okay. Right? And you, 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 for some reason, you think you're an influencer, but you look exactly like the group of friends you hang out with. Right? You dress exactly the same. Right? You look exactly the same. You like the same things. And you're like, I'm an influencer. Well, you kind of look the same, right? In science, I was actually reading a bunch of stuff on this, and science shows that you think you buy your clothes because you like them. You actually, you actually most likely buy a piece of clothing 
because you saw someone else wear something similar and you liked it. You're like, oh, that looks classy on them, so now I'm gonna go get a white sweatshirt, right? That looks real nice, clean, I like it, right? You think you're a leader, you're like, everybody out there is like, wow, Galen, he's awesome. I'm like, no, I saw that on Instagram, that thing was sweet, right? And I told Brooke, just pick me one up, all right. So, uh, you know, or you think like, hey, you, you, you think you're a leader and you're like putting all these videos up even though you sound exactly like the celebrities that you follow, right? Or the politicians that you listen to. It was interesting as I was doing some studying this week, they were saying that we are actually more likely to hold, uh, to have, to, not to value policies or laws that are enacted more than what our political party values. This is, hear me on this. It's interesting. If your political party values something, you're more likely to conform to the whole ticket, everything that the political party believes, than something else. That's outside of that. If it say something that doesn't conform with your values, but your political party values it, you will more likely be pulled, pulled into that influence, right? The same thing with, say someone on the opposing party votes against or for a certain policy. You'll be more likely to not want that because they voted for it. Not because it has anything to do with values or you agree or disagree, but because of party influence. Interesting. How about your emotions? You think your emotions have influence? You're like, no, those are sacred, those are my own. Let me tell you, they train doctors how to discern whether someone is depressed, this is what they do. They tell you when you're done meeting with someone and you leave, examine your own mood. See if you yourself are feeling depressed, your own emotions, because emotions are actually influential. Hear me on this. You like to think you can stand on your own feet. That it's just you, right? You're the leader, right? You're the one with the flag, right? I'm telling you, it's more like a huge mob that everyone influences each other and you just become all the same. That's really more of the truth. And I know you just like, no, you don't want to believe me on that. And the reason that I know this even more than science is because the Bible actually tells us the same thing. Science just points towards things that is already in here. Do you know that God created us actually to be in community with each other? He didn't, he didn't create us to be out on our own, you know, leading the pack, you know? You know, he created us actually to be influenced by him and each other. That's why it's so important that we're in relationship with God and in community in the church. And so again and again, as I read this, I see, man, we are so easily influenced. That's why God created us that way so we would be influenced by the church. You gotta come to terms with this whatever, you know. Again and again, as I was reading this, I was seeing, hey, if you just name the top five people in your life, those are the people that you will look the most like. You think you're leading five people somewhere. It's kind of like you're in the middle somewhere, like what all the different things are. You kind of all make the modern glob in the middle, right? Like that's what happens, right? And so. That's why Paul is shouting this at us. That's why when he says about all the deceiving, he goes and then he says, but you, however, don't forget to look at the right example. Don't forget to look at the right example. Follow the right people, people who are actually living their faith. Follow the right people. You know, Paul may not have known all the sciencey stuff like this. It's great. We all know this now. But he did know the power of influence. He did know the power of influence. A lot of his letters are like, don't be deceived, right? 
Because the early church was getting influenced in the wrong direction in the midst of a church that's being torn apart from the inside where the congregation is all like up in arms and people are actively trying to deceive and distract. Paul is saying, make sure you follow the right people. Make sure you have the right people in your life. So you're influenced by the right people. Don't be don't surround yourself with people who 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 view Jesus' teachings as just good, nice words, right? Don't surround yourself with people who are, are far from Jesus themselves. Don't surround yourself with people who are living a double life. You think that won't influence you? It will. It will. Make sure you surround yourself with the right people because they will have the greatest influence on your life. Pastor G, how do I know that people are tricky? How do I know the right people? Good question. Let's look at verse 12. He says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. If you want to know who to follow, who to look up to, Paul says start with the people who are getting persecuted for godliness. Hear me on this. I I said godliness, right? Lots of people are persecuted for being annoying, right? (laughs) Lots of people are persecuted because they're, 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 they're full of hate. Lots of people are persecuted because they're doing really dumb things. But how about the person who is humbly following Jesus, humbly following Jesus, and is being persecuted for it? How about that person? Right? That's the person to follow, the person who has... Nothing, you know, it's hard to follow the person who's gaining everything, right? Like platform, all this stuff from following Jesus. That's easy, right? Paul said, what about the godly person who is persecuted for their faith? So let's keep going. You got to keep going. Look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Those from whom you learned it. What he's saying here could be Paul himself, or if you remember early in the letter, there was two people that influenced him. They influenced Timothy. Does anybody remember that? Eunice, yes. And who was the other one? Lois. Lois, yes. He's awesome. You know, hopefully uh, Lois, right? There we go. I was was about to say, do we even name our kids anymore? We have someone named Lois right here. It's awesome. So uh, we just need to get Eunice back. Um, So, I mean, there's some good people to look up to. Paul even says, hey, if you, you know the people that you should be looking up to, right? Now look, and he continues. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul just got done saying, that it's so important that you have the right people in your life. That you're looking to the right people for guidance, for influence. But he immediately let us know that the influence we have to have in our lives is right here. This book. This book. He says, Paul doesn't shy away from saying the most important influence you can have in your life is God himself. You think that podcast, that documentary, that speaker is so important. But did you know, did you know... This book is actually God's words. Actually God's words. What does Paul say about this book? Scripture is what? God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. Paul seems to have a, a really high view of this book. And if, you know, your, your friend you're playing Xbox with can influence you, and if your crew that you go out to the club can influence you, and if your family barbecue can influence you, how about God's word? Can that influence you? Yeah? I think so. That's what Paul is saying. How much more time do we have to spend with, with God? How much more time? And this is the second thing that he, that he tells us about influence. The second thing he tells us about influence is don't underestimate the power of this book. Don't underestimate the power of this book, because that's what we do so often. What do we do? We take this and we set it on our dashboard. And now I will never get in a car accident because my car has the Holy Bible sitting on it, right? Or we sit it in our house. Now my house is blessed. Or this little table now is blessed, right? No, it's not like a magic token we can put on something, right? Collect dust. It's really whether or not you open this up and the Spirit allows your eyes to read it and to change your heart. You can't underestimate the power of this book. The power of this book. You want to know how to turn your life upside down? You want to know how to actually deal with that heart issue, with that addiction, with that wreck that's in there? It starts a lot with the influence of God. And His words will change and shape you. Start spending a part, part of each of your day reading, or get this, listening to the Bible. It's true, you can do this. It's recorded. I would recommend Streetlights. It's an awesome free app you can download. They take the, the Bible, put it to hip-hop beats. It's so good. Uh, you can listen to that on Spotify. It's awesome. Most of, the, most of the people who actually heard the Word of God heard it, right? Most people couldn't read for a long time, so most people actually heard it, right? And so it's not a bad thing. You think, I want to read my printed Bible, which I, have a, I read from a printed Bible, by the way, so nothing against you. But you can listen to it too, right? You can read it on your tablet, your phone. That's okay, right? <laughs> Let me tell you what will happen if you start reading this every day. Every day will do, it'll do one of three things. Number one, you'll immediately stop because you're like, I don't want to end in that, okay? <laughs> That's not how I want to change my life, right? Number two, you'll cut the pieces out that you don't like. You know, if you know, you can look up Thomas Jefferson, just Google it. He has a Bible that he cut out about two thirds of it because he's like, no, I don't agree with that, right? So he had a little Bible with all these holes in it of the verses. He took scissors and cut it out. You can look, you, I think it's in a museum or something. And, or number three, you'll start to be shaped into Christ's image, into the image of Jesus. That's what will happen if you start reading this book. And that's why Paul brings this up. It's one of the most powerful books that you could have in your life. Because what, what does it say? It was breathed by God. Breathed by God. The book is living. It's active. It's able to influence you in the right direction. Again, not because you just put it there and let it sit and just say, ooh, right? There's people over at Loyola right now just studying this book, think it's just a secular book, and they're like, oh, great, this is a great piece of history, right? Lots of people can read this book, but if you read it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through these words, it will influence and shape you. God's words, it's God's words. I love that. Uh, Brennan brought this up once, and it like, changed the way I think of it. It's like, it's not just God's word, it's God's words, right? All these words are his truth to us. And so you ever wonder why it's so hard? Anybody, anybody ever tried to read the Bible and kind of gave up? 
no one wants to admit it. <laughs> Only Brennan, thank you. Oh, Rob too, thank you. <laughs> Everybody's like, me too. <laughs> if if Brennan raises his hand. Uh, you know, it's God's words, right? And it's so hard to read this. Why? If God's words, we should be like rushing to open this book, right? Why is it so hard to continue? Why is it so easy to get distracted? Why is it so much easier to just binge watch Stranger Things season one, two, and three, and we can't wait for four, but we can't pick up that book, right? Why is that? Let me tell you, you you're not going to... Maybe some of you won't believe me and you're like, oh, this guy's crazy. But there is actually a spiritual battle going over your life. A spiritual battle going over your life. There's this spiritual being named Satan who knows if you would spend time in this book, it would shape you to look like Jesus. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you from opening this book. You wonder why it's so hard. You got that going on in your life. You may not know it, but it's happening. And on top of that, you've got this heart that's all broken and sinful, which doesn't want anything to do with this anyways, right? you got that whole mess, and it's keeping you from, the, from, from even reading this book. And so, of course, you know, it can feel depressing, discouraging. It feels like you can never actually want to even read that. And let me tell you two things of how, how, what you have to know in order to read this book. Number one, you have to know about the spiritual battle. If you think it's just going to be easy peasy, you're just going to go and pick that up, and you're like, I'm going to have my Bible program, you know? And then you don't, you wonder why you get there, and you're like, I know, I just make it later, right? And why is it so hard? It's because there's a spiritual battle over you. Number two, you can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. This book is a powerful book. It'll change your life. And if you started reading it, you would be influenced. You would be turned into the image of Christ. God didn't create you to try to do that alone. In order to even find the strength to pick that up day in and day out, you need to be in the community of the church. And that's why this pandemic has done the most, the, the most hardest thing, has pulled us away from that community. And no wonder so many people are like, you know, I don't even need that anymore. Right? I mean, if you, if you look at statistics, so many people through this pandemic said, no, I'm never coming back. Never coming back to the church. Because they got out of that community, and that community was helping encourage them to stay in their faith. Right? And that's why we need to be in community. And let me tell you, if you're missing out on Sundays, or if you're not a part of a small group that gathers during the week, and I'm not telling you it's a shame, I'm telling you to tell you the reality, then you are going to have a way harder time to even try and pick up this book. Because without that community in your life to encourage you, to ask, hey, have you been reading this? What have you been reading? Let me speak some words over you, right? If you don't have that in your life, then you're never going to have the strength on your own to pick this up. That's why community is so important, and that's why it's so hard. You're already influenced by everything else. You know that TV show? It's influencing you, okay? <laughs> you think it's not, it's shaping you, right? You think you're not influenced by this device in your pocket? You're like, free information and like all this great stuff. You know, you can watch this, uh, I think it's called The Social Dilemma, and they talk about, you know what they're doing with this? They're selling your information so they can influence you, right? That's their whole goal with all of this, right? You think it's so nice. You think I'm just talking about conspiracy theory. I'm not, okay? They, that's how they make money. Why is Facebook free, right? Why are they like rallying to try to like make sure people can't get out of their giving their information away? It's like, hey, that's how they make money is to sell your information so that, why? They don't just want to collect your information. They want to influence you. That is their goal, right? And you can't even hang out with a single person without them influencing you. Satan knows if he can keep you from time with God. 
If he can keep you from godly people influence, he knows that you'll be so much more easy to be influenced. That's why you have to, number one, number one, have to make sure you're following the right people. And number two, don't underestimate the power of this book. Last, last but not least, look at the finishing of this thought. I know it bridges into chapter four. Uh, they added those later, so this was, this was a part of it. It says, chapter 4, verse 1, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul finishes this section with this final charge. Spinal charge. After saying how important it is that you have the right influences in your life, once you get that right, then, once you're being influenced by the Word of God, then you can be an influencer. Woo! That is your dream. I'm giving you your dream back, okay? Right? Oh, yeah, you can be an influencer, and it's what you've always dreamed to be. Whenever anyone asks you, you can say, I want to be an influencer. Well, let me tell you, it won't look like everyone else. Yeah. It's not going to be nice and fun where you can just put a picture up of what meal you ate, okay? It's not going to be retweeting that article, okay? I just want to tell you some truth. No one really wants to read that article that you retweeted, okay? I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you something. You're not really changing the world by giving someone a heart on Instagram, okay? Let me tell you that, okay? Let me tell you, people, when people turn aside to these, the, the, all this different stuff, that, you know, it, it, it has an influence, but I don't know. Let, let me tell you, influencing for Jesus will look a little different. What does Paul say? Share Jesus at all times, even when you don't feel like it. He says, in season and out of season, when you have it and when you don't, you're like, I just don't feel like it right now, okay? Paul says, it doesn't matter. You want to be an influencer, share Jesus in season and out of season. And he says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Some of us need that last word, encourage, okay? All of us like to rebuke, right? Like, oh, yeah, I got that one down, okay? I'll rebuke someone right now, pastor. I'm telling you, he says, also encourage people, okay? So put that one in your book, okay? And even when people go to all these nice, fancy Christians that say all this nice, sweet stuff. You keep the faith and share Jesus. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. doesn't matter. You're like, that's not my gifting. Sharing Jesus isn't my gifting. It doesn't matter. Paul says, you do the work of an evangelist. Last thing you need to hear today about influencing. To be an influencer, you have to be a Christ follower. Christ follower. You know, and... We think that all is just posting something on our, our social media or something like that. And I'm not saying, sorry to be hating all of that, you know, like, oh man, he's so mean. You can still be on there, okay? You can still like stuff, it's okay. But being an influencer has a lot less to do with all that and a whole lot more of looking like Jesus in the day to day. When, when things aren't post-worthy, okay, how about that? 
you all like have a perfectly curated social media, right? You don't show the, the bad times, the bad days, the mistakes, right? What about when something embarrassing happens, but you respond with grace? That sounds like a good influencer, right? How about when you mess up, but you apologize? That sounds like living out Jesus in the day to day. How about, how about when you're tired, your hair's a mess, and you're like, I didn't get my nails done, right? And your emotions are all over the place, but you show love still. Hmm? How about when it'd be so much easier to blend in and conform, but you stand up for your faith? Or even when people hate you, you share Jesus. Are those things easy? No, and that's what I mean. You can be an influencer. Let me tell you, you will rock the boat, okay? You start living out that stuff, right? It's a lot easier to be like, oh, nice, that church did ain't you, right? It's a lot harder to live it out in the day-to-day, and that's how you will be an influencer. You can't do it alone. Don't forget all the other stuff we're talking about. Have the right people in your life. Be in the Word of God. And as you grow in our churn, change into Jesus, you will start reflecting that outwards and will be an influencer. So let's just close this morning. I just want, you know, let's just close our eyes. So let's just sit quietly before. Let's just reflect. Allow him to speak to you this morning. You know, because this sermon is, is, is another one of those where it's a lot easier to preach than it is to actually do. So I just want us to sit here. Allow God to speak to you. What influences are in your life that you need to get rid of? What is someone that you say, man, I need to be looking up to them way more than this other person? Are you a part of a community where God could help encourage you to be in his words? And are you allowing him to shape you so that you can influence others? Just sit quietly before and ask him to speak to you right now. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.